0: So, start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on slash recommend today.
1: Welcome to Season 2, Episode 40 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw. And with me, I got a fine league of extraordinary gentlemen here today. Yeah, you like that one? I'm bringing that back. That's good. I got uh, Matt Aguilar's with me. What up? And we brought our wrestling expert, Mr. Connor Casey is back. I'm back. And we're going all quadrants today, so we had to bring one of our undercover gaming ninjas in here. Well, we'll probably get trademark sued for that. So just <laughs> one of our undercover gaming players, uh, Tanner, is with us today. And uh, he's here with a very special... Special appearance. Uh Tanner doesn't like to get in this crazy hoopla that we call a show, but uh today we need him because his expertise is invaluable and he gets to play some of the craziest games before any of us do. So he's here to share his first impressions of the last of us part two. Or wow. or have you finished it? Or I mean is this like a full yeah.
2: I finished it. I finished okay. it last right. last uh last week I finished it and I've gone back and played a few chapters after that, a few, you know, you know, gone back and replayed and stuff. But, yeah, it's done. It's done.
1: Okay, so is going to give us a full – we're going to keep it, I think, spoiler-free because everybody's just getting into the game by the time you hear this. But uh, he's going to give us a full spoiler-free kind of breakdown about this, and then we're going to hammer him with questions that we want to ask. And uh, he's busy because as we record this, we are getting ready to have the PS5 event drop. So next week we're going to have a full recap with the gaming team, with you guys about that. Um, so stay tuned for that. But up first today in our show, like I said, we're going to be talking about a lot of things. We're, well, I haven't said, but we're going to be talking about Man of Steel 2, WWE, uh, what's going on with Comic Con this year. But up first and foremost, Con- uh, Connor, oh my God, Tanner is going to hit us with this Last of Us Part 2 review. So, Tanner, take it away. Is this going to live up to the legacy of the first game, or are fans in for another hit in 2020?
2: Okay. So. I've been thinking a lot about that, and I don't – you know, the PS4, it's – people are going to use the PS4 for a long time, so, like, it's still got life in it. I don't want to say this is, like, going to define the generation because that's really dramatic when people say that, but what I did say in my written view is, like, if the game – if there were no more PS4 releases after June 19th, then we would be just fine because, like, this is such a good game on the PS4. I think it would be fine if we just ended it right there and went straight to the PS5. It's that good. Um, I played The Last of Us. I know a lot of people did play Last of Us, and when I played Last of Us, it didn't really like leave that much of an impression on me. I wasn't obsessed with it like some people were. Um, but this Brandon. game just builds. Yeah, I mean, Brandon, Brandon loves Last of Us. <laughs> oh, <afraid> of <laughs> I wasn't like I wasn't obsessed with. It. I thought it was a really good game, and it had like some good stuff. You know, the story was good, and the gameplay was you know pretty you know impactful it was you know rewarding but man this game just builds on all of that it builds on every single thing you established in the first game and it just takes it to another level it's really good it's really good
1: all right let's hammer this man with some questions before we get him out of here Uh, what would you like i mean tanner what was like your what's your review kind of score do you guys do scores i forget what they
2: yeah, yeah, we do, we do, we do a out of five. Um, I don't. I, I was thinking about. I gave this game a five out of five. Um, I don't Ooh. know that I've ever given a game a five out of five. Maybe once here, I've done it. I think. But yeah, it's five out of five. Absolutely, it's not perfect. Like there are some things that that I would have changed. You know, there's some things that are wrong with it. But um, yeah, I mean, everything just outweighs the bad. Is there it's like so a good.
1: spoiler-free downside you can give us?
2: Um, some of the downsides of spoiler-free stuff is like. You know, like in in the first Last of Us, you have – you play as Joel, right? You play as Joel, and you have Ellie who's following you around, and, you know, she's your co-protagonist, and she's helping you with stuff. Um, we've seen in the trailers and the previews for this that you have, uh, you know, some – you have uh, friends helping you out at points. Um, that part can be kind of frustrating. You know, AI in games is really tough. Whenever you have to have a partner, and it's frustrating to be so stealthy when you're playing as Ellie to try and sneak around everywhere, and all of a sudden your AI just runs across the screen, and I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? We're trying to be sneaky here, and you know the the enemies won't detect them, so it is you know it's like a lesser of two evils. You don't have to worry about them busting you, but then it's you know kind of breaks the immersion when they're running across. Um, as far as like the overall feel of the game, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but this game makes you feel very uncomfortable. Um, it makes you feel like a really bad person when you're playing this game. Because you do the things the game makes you do and the things that you have to do in order to push forward. You're like, oh, no, hold on, hold on. I don't, I don't want to do that. Why are you making me do that? And there are actually several times where I put down the controller because, you know, whatever you're doing, cutscene, whatever, you put down the controller, and I was like, I'm not going to press any more buttons. Maybe there's another option out of this situation. And then I'm like, nope, that's it. You just have to do what the game tells you to do. So I didn't want to do the things that it said. But, uh, yeah, it's tough. it's tough. It's pretty ominous yeah i would be be very concerned for any person who can play through this game and not feel some kind of like regret or emotion or you know what i mean like if you don't feel anything playing this game i would be concerned for you because there's something going on there
0: so um you know one of the things we saw kind of in the lead up to last of us and i remember when it made its uh big e3 presentation back when people went to a convention it right. seems so long ago. Well, still <laughs> had I know. I mean, it, it seems be- so long ago. But, you know, one of the kind of biggest knocks against it was always that, like, the trailers and footage always seemed so dark. It seemed so pushing that constantly. And there wasn't... You know, the the first game had lighthearted moments kind of sprinkled throughout. It, it's not a joyful game by any means, but it had yeah. those moments. But they never really showed that in the lead-up to this game release. It is that... Is there enough of that? Did you feel like uh it
2: maintained that balance, or did they maybe go too far in one direction I, like i don't I don't think they went well, let me first say it gets worse than the trailers okay it gets worse than that it's that's it gets darker um i don't think it's I don't think they went too far because I think they've been very upfront about it. that's what the entire game is about you know what I mean it's about the cycle of vengeance and Uh, It's you know about how far people can go to get whatever they want. So I don't think they went too far because they've always kind of set that expectation. Um, But like I said, there's some I don't know the things you do and the things that people in the game do are very surprising. The game really enjoys reminding people that like nothing is sacred. Like you know these people are trying to survive and everything they everyone everyone's at risk. Anything can happen to anybody. Uh, I mean there will be characters you know that the beginning of the game. You're like rooting for them. You're like, oh, I want the best for this person. And two chapters later, you're like, I hate this person. I don't know why I ever stuck by you. I'm, yeah. So yeah, it does get worse. It gets worse than that. But I, I don't know. The co- uncomfortable part's kind of good. You was know, a this, lot of games. This are, game
1: modeled after a podcast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, that's like, true. I'm, it does. Ha- it does have like some of its lighter moments. You know, like there's, you know, there's like banter between the characters and things like that. But like I said, the game reminds you that it can all change at a moment's notice. So yeah, it is a dark game. Um, I I would not be surprised if you had to take some breaks from it. Like, walk away for a minute. Be like, all right, that's enough. Um, now, yeah. Kofi and Connor, did you –
0: because it's been a big thing that, like, the story of this game got leaked way ahead of time. Did either of you read the spoilers? Because I didn't. I, I managed to avoid them. Okay, so no. Connor did.
1: I'm still working my way through the first game. I don't really enjoy it, I hate to say, uh, so it's a slog for me, but, so I haven't like, actually read any spoilers about the end of the first game or anything about the second game. I know nothing. Okay, and
3: Connor did, right? I did, even though I had never played the first game at the time. I was told, don't bother, so I didn't. Okay. And then when I saw all the fuss about the, the spoilers for the second part coming out, I was like, okay, what's got everybody so upset? Then I read it and I go, oh, my God, that's going to piss people off. So, Tanner, I guess the real question for you is, without really spoiling anything, how much of what was leaked was fake?
2: Okay. So, for the spoilers, I can't I – even if I wanted to, I'm, I'm you know, I don't want to get in any trouble. I want to get in trouble. I want everyone to be able to enjoy the game as much as they can. So, I'm not going to say – what is real? What is fake? from the spoilers, because, I've, you know, there are some weird spoilers out there. I've read every I've seen the videos. I've read the threads on Reddit from people who say my dad works at Naughty Dog. OK, you know, I've read all of the spoilers. <laughs> I've seen everything. Um, so I'm not going to comment on the spoilers. But what I can tell you is that the director of the game, Neil Druckmann, uh, he commented on it. And he said there are so many false things out there. And he said that they don't want to go and start correcting anything, because once you start saying that's not what happens, then people can infer, okay, this is what happens. So, you know, we I, I don't want to do any of that. I don't want to avoid that. But um what Neil Druckmann also said, he said that the ending to the game is not out there yet. So I don't know what people have seen spoilers. I don't know where people have been looking, but he says the ending is not out there yet. And uh from you know, we, we asked who took in the spoilers and who hasn't. I've seen all the spoilers like I said and I I knew or you think you I don't know. I've seen all the spoilers and it did not impact my experience one bit. Not one bit. Okay. And I would big, I would go through and watch the spoilers all over again, and I you know fine, big,
3: fun. Bigger question: Will this be better than the next Paper Mario? Because that's the game I'm focused on.
2: <laughs> I don't I don't know if I can go to something as lighthearted as Paper Mario to play in this game. It's, <laughs> what a comparison! <laughs> that's what we need. The world needs Paper Mario after this game. We need oh anything goodness. like that. Um, oh my goodness, that's that's true.
0: Uh, and then also um, because again no, you can't really talk about spoiler things, but uh, you played the first one and then you also played, did you play the DLC on the first one that kind of went into Ellie's? No, I did
2: not play the DLC. I just took like a crash course in it to, you know, familiarize myself. With okay. Because my um, that is, you know, for those
0: that, um that also was, you know, received pretty well uh, by fans, but was also kind of, you know, really important to her story. But do you get the, after playing the game and everything, would you recommend people go back and make sure to play that extra thing?
2: Or did, were yeah. you fine without it? Um, I mean, you know, there's... If you go and play this game and you haven't played The Last of Us, then you're not going to have the same emotional attachment to the characters. And you, really, you need that to get through The Last of Us. So you can play it without playing the first game, but I wouldn't recommend it. And the same is true to the DLC to a lesser extent. I didn't play the DLC, and I, you know, I gave it a five out of five. It's, one of yeah. my fa- it's probably my favorite game this whole year so far. Um, but... You know, I mean there's some things you miss out on, but the game does a good job of filling in the blanks, you know, things that tell you what tell you what you've missed. But I mean we got a week until, you know, a week until it releases. So people got time. You know, The yeah. Last of Us Remastered is like ten bucks or twenty bucks, something like that. We got time to do it. So yeah. yeah, I would recommend going through it again. Awesome.
1: All right, is that good? Anybody else have any uh, any questions for Tanner?
2: Mm-hmm. Tanner, do
1: you I think there'll be, there would be- think there any kind of controversies or anything that this game inspires? Yes. yes. <laughs> he yes didn't bring wow! No <laughs> hesitation. Wow! Oh, crap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, will,
2: I will say. I will say. I know a lot of people. You know, obviously, you play as Joel in the first game, and the, pr- the focus here is on Ellie. I I like playing as Ellie a lot more than I ever liked playing as Joel. Um, the this, the decisions they made with the game and the things they allow you to do, you know, like being able to go prone in the grass and climb on top of things that, you know, just the stuff you could do that you couldn't do is Joel. It just, they just learned so much from the first, last of us. And they built on all of that and turned into this. So, uh, but yeah. Oh yeah. It's going to be controversial. There's going to be people. Yeah. People gonna be big mad about it, but. Um, I can smell the articles now. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's what I was thinking. Tanner has
0: his like articles. He's
2: like, I know what
0: I'm covering. So
2: oh, that's what man. I'm saying. Like the stuff you're going to be mad about in the game is stuff that, like, you know, at least you had a reaction to it. Like, you're going to be, you know, people would love it. People will be mad, but whatever. Like at least you, you, I don't know. They could have just played it safe, but they did not play it safe at all. But it, yeah, it pays off. It's a good game. It's good. You should play it.
0: This is, this is good stuff now. Okay. Question. Tough question for, for Tanner. So after all is said and done, because very soon cyberpunk comes and cyberpunk looks amazing. Are we looking and- at that distracted boyfriend meme? And you've been looking, <laughs> and I know you've been looking forward to it, like a lot of people have. So yeah. if you had to guess right now, what do you think? Like, do you, do you think Cyberpunk has a real chance to pass Last of Us 2? Or is
2: it going to be, like, extremely? Like, it would have to be just above the moon. To do it? I don't know, man. That's going to be tough. Like, you know, Cyberpunk looks good anyway, and it's coming from the Witcher devs. So you've got the entire Witcher fan base. You know, you've got cross-platform coming in, you know, backing up that game but then uh playstation people they love their exclusives they love you know you know what i mean so like if it came down in the votes i think it'd be pretty close um i obviously i haven't seen cyberpunk i don't know what that's going to feel like or whatever but it's going to be it's going to be tough i those games are going to be you know top spots for uh, votes oh yeah yeah well does Something the, last of, us, does
3: the what? last of us have keanu reeves
2: <laughs> not that i saying the Cyberpunk wins <laughs> uh,
3: no.
1: well, that's our litmus test I mean test. that's a hard that's a I mean that's a kind of hard argument to beat
2: yeah that's a couple months that one thing I will say about like I've said most of what I want to say about Last week, but one, uh, one thing I will say about it is that as much as I love this game I don't think I ever want to play it again I don't think I want to It's it's like it's a one time thing you know what I mean like if you Drink. watch the entire season of all these you know episodes and all this awful stuff happens and then you're done it's exhausting I don't want to play it again <laughs> even wow. having to go back and do the it's chapters like a
1: p i feel like you have ptsd
2: <laughs> even having to go back you and, need like, some do paper chapters, mario you know? man yeah so i've been like, like I, doing chapters like look through like you know like you know just finding the last few collectibles whatever like looking through chapters again and the idea of playing the whole story again and having to do it i'm like I, I can't invest that right now maybe maybe a few months we'll come back i feel it. like you can say that though about almost every single like naughty dog game
0: like of their recent output like yeah. they their games are so like even the uncharted series i adore but like they're so intense they're so like it's always in your face in your face there's so much happening and that when you're done it's like you take a giant breath and you're like i'm good i i love it it was an amazing thing i've still yet to go back and play in uncharted like yeah exactly. it was awesome and then they're some of my top games but like Last of Us the same way. Like, I played it, and I'm done. I don't yep. return to that world.
2: Because I mean, the stuff they do in this game, you know, like we've seen the trailers, you've seen how violent it is, people hitting each other with hammers and breaking arms, whatever. That stuff, I don't know. I've seen that in other games. I'm not squeamish at all when it comes to the games, but that stuff in The Last of Us, it sticks to you. It, Yeah, it, I don't know. They did a lot of stuff in this game that really makes you feel like you're actually – you actually have weight behind your decisions and not just, you know, target practice. I don't know. It's tough. It's a tough game, but it's really good. Um, yeah.
1: All right, man. <laughs> I don't know where to land. This is going to be like the greatest most exhausting game of all time <laughs> So, I'm going to ruined to that. I've ruined the tone for your whole podcast, y'all said that. <laughs> no, <out. laughs> no, I mean, I'm it, I mean, I I'm, mean, I obviously I'm interested now. Now I like want to go. I'm going to go upstairs tonight and try to like set, one, like The Last of Us on easy and just run through this so I know the story so I can jump into this thing. I mean, I need a good story. And uh, since we're like living in dystopia, might as well play something like that. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Tanner. We are going to take a break and let Tanner get out of here. And when we come back, we are going to talk about Man of Steel 2's latest update, plus what's going on with Comic-Con, what's about to happen in WWE, and some other good stuff. So stay tuned for all of that. So after talking about The Last of Us and uh, taking a minute to uh, recover from that discussion, we're going to talk about something that's actually a little bit happier, more positive, We know a lot of fans out there are kind of, you know, the Mecca for our fandom is going to Comic-Con every summer, San Diego Comic-Con. And, you know, for me, New York and a lot of other New York Comic-Con. But because of the coronavirus pandemic, Comic-Con, like so many other big gatherings of people, had to be canceled. But the makers of Comic-Con are coming around and they are actually still launching an event called Comic-Con from home which is pretty much, or Comic-Con at home, I'm not the official person for this. Uh, Comic-Con at home with the at symbol, so you know it's clever. But um, they're basically taking the convention virtual and launching it online and and making it free to everybody. So there are still going to be panels. There are still going to be, I'm sure they're going to find out a way to kind of work in premieres of things. Like probably we'll get maybe hopefully some, this is all speculation, but maybe some trailer premieres, things like that. It's going to have panels, giveaway, news, you know, announcements, et cetera. There will be um, everything. There will be comics, gaming, TV, film, and masquerade things, gaming competitions. So they're going to they're gonna take it interactive, and they're going to take it virtual. And it's going to be free to everybody in the fandom, so everybody will be able to kind of, for the first time, actually, you know, see some of these big Comic-Con moments and events together. And uh, I just thought this was interesting, and I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on this. Um, as somebody who's gone to Comic-Con and New York Comic-Con and, you know, covered both for, for, you know, man, like a decade now, it, I'm kind of interested in this because, you know, some people argue, you know, Brandon Davis, that uh, that the whole appeal of Comic-Con is exclusivity and kind of being there and, and getting to see the stuff first. But um, I've actually had more fun at, at cons and things where New York Comic-Con tried out a lot of this with, kind of, you know, broadcasting or, you know, webcasting their big panels in the main stage to people they might cut out for the trailer runs and things like that. But um, making the experience virtual so people could still kind of tune into it. And a lot of this hit like when I first had a kid and I had to be at home and I couldn't go to these anymore. I really appreciated those and I enjoyed it. And it's a lot of fun to do even virtually. So I'm kind of excited to see what happens like when everybody does get to kind of sit in and experience this at the same time and and really be on the same page about this, even if you might lose some of the exclusivity of the things. And I'm kind of curious to see if studios will respond and actually make this an event by like giving us something cool, you know, trailer reveals or what have you, and or a panel, you know, trailer reveals and then like live, go fast and furious with it, do like a trailer reveal and then just the the cast and, and a host in a room, like in a big room just you know, and do a, kind of a webcast, you know, a conversation interview, that type of stuff. So, uh, yeah, how do you guys feel about it? I'm a little curious. What are you guys thinking?
0: Um, I am kind of like, I mean, and, and you brought up a really good comparison, which is San Diego and New York. And, and after a couple years of of getting the chance to do both, you know, I always had the, always left with the impression that like, San Diego was, I feel, I always felt like in a weird way, more fulfilled from a work perspective, because like, there's so much that goes on at San Diego from a, in what we do. And, you know, there's just more there. There's more interviews to be had. There's more content to cover. There's more exclusive things. But as the one I actually had more fun at was always, was New York, because New York had a different vibe. And they did more interactive stuff, like online and things. So it wasn't all just like, you have to be at the show to take in this content. Like New York's a little bit better about, Hey, let's do a stream here or let's put the panel up on a webcast or let's do this or whatever. And, you know, as someone who has watched like conventions now a couple of years and just like being there when you're not working, like there's some times where I'm like, man, I don't know if I wasn't doing this, for, like covering this because there's just something rewarding about doing that and I like my job, but like just coming as a straight up fan, if I was just sitting in a line for however many hours that people have to sit in lines in a line to get in another line, you know what I mean? Like that whole process of like just being herded like cattle all the time. And even when, you know, your press, you still have that to some degree, like just being like ordered to go over here or go over to go. Like all that is not the bad. Like that's not fun. Like that part's not fun really at all. And you know, just to get into like a 30 minute thing or an hour thing. So the, I'm interested to see how this goes like next year. Like once they come through with this and if they get some exclusive and actually some backing and people see what you can do without it all being like under a physical roof, I'll be interested to see what like 2021's comic con looks like and what they learn from this and what they take from it. Because I think, Big picture, I think it can benefit. I, I think it would be make it better if you could integrate some of this stuff and make the overall convention experience a little bit better just for the people that are paying just to go meet somebody or, or do a panel. I, I think there can be a lot. These can be better, and I feel like this is a great opportunity to test out some things, throw out some test balloons, and see what you can do so that way when it comes back full throttle next year, you can make this experience better because I think it could be.
1: All right, that was that was a lot more passionate than I expected. <laughs> there you go, um, Connor. I, I mean, have you gone to comic cons?
3: I have not. I was going to try and go for this year before the world ended, but um,
1: that's I mean that's perfect actually. I, I that's why I want to get your take on it.
3: Like, yeah, I've my...
1: never kind of like gone in and and done all this. How do you feel about this?
3: My thing is. I don't wanna see Comic-Con become E3 because E3 is dying. And that became, and part of what made it, die, what helped it die was that, hey, there's no reason to actually go to it because everything is being broadcast at home. So you can just, if you're like us and you're reporting on it, you sit at home and you cover it. If you had to cover San Diego Comic-Con, you had to be there for it. You had to be in Hall H and have Brandon Davis be the fastest Twitter thumbs in the West. Um, I hope that San Diego doesn't lose that because I don't want to see them go the route of E3. So I think they are. I think they're looking at this like, okay, we have to do it for this year because, given what's happening, I think it reverts back to the norm a year from now. Even though Matt, like you said, in every horror story I've heard about the ridiculous lines and the queues and you know just the massive overcrowding inside that convention center, people still flock to it every
0: year. True and. Now, to be fair, they are different conventions because E3 was never supposed to be a consumer show. It was a press show that ended up, kind of over the years, more and more kept turning into a consumer show. And like now, the last like two years, they've actually invited just anybody to. It was a press show. It was for people to work at, and right. then the presentations became well. Now we have these big companies that want to broadcast their stuff. And so then they started doing that and that became a key attraction. And then like it's transformed over the years. So in E3's case, E3 doesn't know what it is anymore. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it, they're grabbing at everything because now people have their own presentations across the street. They don't even have it at the E3 floor. With Comic-Con, I feel like it's a little bit more, there is a way to, because as, as everyone knows, when you're like covering comic cons there's a lot of stuff that like happens not in hall age or that doesn't happen in a panel like the panel stuff is online an hour like an hour later sometimes 20 minutes later so yes you get the 10 15 minute head start but like some of the interesting stuff is like the conversations because everyone's there you can have so many different interactions and conversations with people that you couldn't normally have that's the interesting content at least to me you know um a trailer is going to be novel for five minutes, but the stuff, the conversations with the director or with the cast or whatever that happened all throughout the show is the stuff to me. That's more interesting. You know, that holds your attention longer. And that's the stuff I feel like won't change because that can't really change. Like, yeah, you can have a zoom call, but of course it's going to be a little different and things like that. Whereas if they stream a trailer, you know, okay. Like some of the stuff, like getting to see a, a footage or of a tease or whatever that they won't release to the public, like that stuff will still happen because that stuff wasn't going online anyway. But for the regular kind of ebb and flow of panels, I feel like you can make it more consumer friendly. That there's, there's gotta be a way. I'm not a savant, so I don't know like how that is. I can't fix it. But like, I feel like there is a way to just make that experience better for the person that it's just going for the sheer joy of going. You know what I mean? I don't know. I I hope they take something away. I don't just want it to go back to the way it was. I feel like there is things, there are things to be learned. I don't
1: know. All right. That is Matt's soapbox. We are going to take a break. (laughs) No, we're just kidding. We'll be here to help cover everything that's Comic-Con at home. And even if you don't have a chance to watch it, we'll have lots of content and I'm sure lots to talk about from it. So uh, stay tuned for all of that. But uh, when we come back, We're gonna deep dive into talking about what's going on with Man of Steel plus what's going on with WWE and if we got some time, even what's happening in the latest Batman stories. So stay tuned for all of that.
4: get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com/audio. Visit IXL.com/audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
1: All right. So, man of steel 2. So, hey, it was uh, a Yeah. It was announced that Henry Cavill's coming back as Superman, but he's going to be kind of popping up in various places in the DC movie universe and kind of making these cameo and or possibly featured appearances in other films, which led to the big question of like, you know, what does that mean for man of steel 2, this long awaited sequel to Zack Snyder's Superman reboot that we, you know, people, it was a very divisive film obviously, but it has a very passionate fan base clearly. And What was Warner Brothers basically going to do? Are we going to get another Man of Steel, a Superman, a new Superman movie? Like, what's going to happen here? So the latest report is a rumor that was kind of floated on one of these scoop-breaking sites on the internet. And it basically kind of breaks down what's happening at Warner Brothers and what the thinking is among the executives. And how that could spell kind of not really good things for Man of Steel 2. And basically what it says is that at Warner Brothers, they want somebody who's really like a big filmmaker to come and do the next Superman movie, which is understandable. The issue is big filmmakers come with their own visions. Like this is a thing. Marvel studios is a great example had to learn after phase one In phase one. They were hitting up people like Kenneth Branagh, uh, you know, Joe Johnston, and even to extent John Favreau after he, kind of got done in making iron man and then the studio really took over and kind of started moving things. And what they learned is that there's a problem with getting big, big directors that have their own experience and signature visions and styles of doing things because it, it, you want, you know, Kevin Feige wants to make this Marvel movie season his head, but directors all have egos and experience. And they're like, yeah, who are you? Like, I'm going to do my thing. And so it's not a comfortable situation. And you got out of that, people don't remember in phase one a lot, but there was a lot of like bad talking Marvel as like this controlling machine. The filmmakers weren't happy. It was like a very kind of tumultuous situation. And what they learned in phase two is to build people's careers, basically take people who were like really talented and on the verge, but were used to kind of not having the authority and working within the studio system, taking those notes and, and, you know, having, you know, taking all that and building people like the Russos, James Gunn, you know, Oh my God, he's my man. Black Panther director, uh, I can't believe I'm playing. Ryan blanking Yeah, Ryan Coogler is my man. And I can't, I'm just, I'm sorry, Ryan, if you ever listen to this. <laughs> um, yeah, and building them up. And so the same thing is kind of now the question at DC. It's like any big name director, it's understandable why uh, like a J.J. Abrams or somebody would be like looking at Zack Snyder's Man of Steel and Henry Cavill and that whole thing and being like, I don't necessarily want to step into that mess. Like if I'm going to make a Superman film, I have a vision and therefore I have a vision of who I want to be my Superman and it's not necessarily Henry Henry Cavill, which is nothing against Cavill that anybody's saying, but this is just the reality of what a big name director is like. So what do you guys think? Um, There's a lot of ins and outs to this and and we'll get into that in a minute, but uh, what do you guys think about all this? Do you think a J.J. Abrams is worth trading a Henry Cavill, or would you like to see the next Superman movie be something where Henry Cavill? Because arguably there is room for Henry Cavill to finally get the you know the Superman depiction that Zack Snyder was building up to, which is how he becomes you know the symbol of hope and and the good natured superhero icon that we know. And do you think Henry Cavill needs a chance to kind of
0: play that out, Connor?
3: I. I have complicated feelings towards the Man of Steel trilogy and Zack Snyder as a whole. Um, I love Henry Cavill, and I thought that his run on The Witcher was really endearing, because that showed just the the range of personality he can really bring out in a character. My problem with his Superman was always that he didn't feel like Superman. He felt like this dark and dour and moping person. Um, And I I feel like a lot of that came from the fact that Snyder profoundly misunderstood who Superman, what Superman is is and what he represents. Um, And when you look at, you know, his his fandom of people like Ayn Rand, you go, okay, yeah, you love this person. Someone like Superman, that concept just doesn't make sense. the idea of someone being altruistic. That sounds ludicrous, you know, coming running up against that philosophy. So it's no wonder that when he finally felt like Superman on screen, it was at the end of a movie that Zack Snyder had left and somebody else had hopped in on. I absolutely think that if someone else was at the directing helm, you could get that, you know, this generation-defining Superman film and with Cavill in the main role, absolutely. Now, Kofi, you bring up how If a new director comes in, will they be a little bit hesitant? Will they think, hey, you know, I don't want to step into all this mess of Snyder cuts and Do You Bleed and Martha and all that nonsense? At the same time, though, I think the fans all kind of have his back. And if you instantly want fan support for whatever new Superman movie you're going to have come out, have it be the guy that everyone's looking at right now going, yeah, the the studio screwed this guy over. He deserves another shot. You get a lot of goodwill by keeping him around
0: keeping Cavill around or keeping like actually yeah, bringing cap- Snyder back cap- to
3: do? Right? No, keeping just Cavill. Gotcha. Okay.
0: Well, yeah, the,
1: here's some of the caveats to this. Um, it's not impossible. And I wrote this article up and I kind of point out, it's not impossible to do that to kind of thread that middle ground where you kind of, you pull like a, the suicide squad, right? It's kind of like a soft reboot in terms of it's a new Superman story, a new kind of tone, all of that. Um, but you kind of soft acknowledge that the, the man of steel stuff, you know it happened it was there but like this is a new day and a new kind of vision and you keep cavill and there are ways to thread that needle because there are just a sets of directors who are both friendly with henry cavill and friendly with warner brothers um zach snyder is one of them but we're taking him off the table for connor um another one's like christopher macquarie for instance right uh yeah macquarie worked with cavill on mission impossible fallout they even like tossed around ideas and talked about stuff in Superman ideas and things like that. And Macquarie is very much a guy who, if you've ever talked or listened to him talk, um, he was in director jail and, and writer jail for a very long time. He did Usual Suspects. Uh, then he made Way of the Gun in like 2000. And after that movie, cause he did it his own way and like was a major problem. He was in director jail and he was in there for a long time. You're talking like 10 years. Um, and so when he got out, it was because Tom Cruise helped pull him out for doing like Valkyrie And then they continued to work together doing like Edge of Tomorrow. And then he came on Mission Impossible and the rest is history. But he's a dude who will tell you straight up, like I've learned, like work with the studio, work with the system, like don't have too big of an ego. And so he's totally that guy. And so it is possible to do because he would definitely be a very different vision from Zack Snyder. uh, But he also knows Cavill. So it's not impossible.
3: And and, and let's let's not forget, we've already kind of done the soft reboot stuff with Aquaman. Cause the Jason Momoa we saw in that movie wasn't exactly what we saw at the beginning of justice league.
1: No. And like, yeah, and there's a whole big, yeah, there's going to be a whole big thing. The other caveat you bring up, which is kind of good to mention is it's what the plan is regarding the Snyder cut. Right. So Zack Snyder's justice league is going to get completed. It's going to be released next year. And you know, it kind of begs the question of where we go from here is Between Because there's a possibility that, you know, if the Snyder Cut is huge and it does well, you know, they could push to finish some of those sequels or do something. But that's a far-fetched thing. A lot of the actors, like Ben Affleck, it doesn't seem like you'd be able to wrangle him back in. But if you do Justice League and then you just do a couple other films and you kind of change the ending a little bit so it's kind of more of a final ending and you just have kind of Cavill pop up in other movies, you can arguably... And Justice League, give fans that kind of closure, and then ha- use those other movies to kind of play out, you know, some kind of way that Cavill's Superman kind of ends his arc and kind of just, you know, give fans that closure, uh, whether it's, I don't know what it is, how you do that, but you kind of either, you know, put him a pause or send Superman a space, I don't know. But you can have that close out and be done too, and then that's the closure on the Snyder stuff. Like, you 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 give fans that ending, and then you do do a new Superman reboot movie because you also have the thing with the Batman is also another factor in this. They're already rebooting Batman. Like Ben Affleck's done, we're getting a new vision of Batman. It, it always it becomes a lot more complicated if you keep trying to do the Cavill thing and kind of do that as opposed to, like I said, use the Snyder Cut and these additional appearances to give Cavill kind of a real ending in the franchise that you feel satisfied. You know, they introduce the new whoever's and Superman is kind of takes a step to the background and then you get into a new kind of isolated Superman reboot. You get J.J. Abrams, Superman. Yeah, exactly. So, and whatever that is for better or worse. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, there's ways to do this. There's multiple ways to do this. Uh, I kind of personally would just, at this point, As much as, I mean, and I am like one of the big Man of Steel apologists, or not apologists, I don't apologize for it, but defenders of Man of Steel and and the kind of vision that Snyder tried to take in asking hard questions about Superman in a modern context. And um, yeah, I liked all that. But I mean, 2013, when that came out, is such a long way from now. I mean, all that post 9-11 kind of dealings, with yeah. what that movie was trying to process and deal and if you never read the breakdown that's a lot of what is going on in man of steel it's kind of like pro- processing a post 9-11 world for like ideas about being an immigrant and oh all that stuff right. and all that yeah. stuff and you know xenophobia all that stuff so basically that that's a different i mean like 2020 alone has just put us like seven timelines away from that and it, it, that time and place just seems to have moved on. So, I mean, it, it just seems like i won't to get what I want out of it. Uh, and so I would just like to see Cavill featured in some just kind of things still connected to the Snyderverse era, which, like I said, just establishes Superman as a kind of a hopeful kind of guy in that universe. But, you know, other movies don't have to actually bring him in. He's off doing whatever he's doing. Uh, and we get
0: a kind of... Uh-oh. Did I freeze? It hurts my brain to think about every time I go to think about all this, it hurts my brain. <laughs> um, it just hurts my brain. Cause I, there's so many things I, I want a Cavill Superman movie so badly because I love him as Superman. He's a fantastic Superman. And I just feel like I, I really liked Man of Steel a lot. Um, but uh i just feel like i just feel like he got robbed he didn't get his proper time because he sh- should have gotten a better showcase um and so i it's a bummer but every time i go to think about well how could they fit that in and like have him exist over here but like ben affleck's batman is different and it, it hurts my brain <laughs> it just hurts hey, well it.
3: They, they have an out and it's take the flashpoint stuff from the tv series and then go hand wavy them over all the the movies and say oh i it hope into that blame flashpoints
0: i hope it's better than what flashpoint did on tv <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> i hope it's better um and they do they have that little ace in the, like they have that standing there i I, that is the number one get out. It's and it's been that way in the comics too. If you ever need to get out of something continuity wise, you have Flash Undo Time or something, and just and it fixes it. Uh, cosmic treadmill, which I hate. I hate mm-hmm. cosmic treadmill. Anyway, point is, I I would love. But I think the the probably easiest and most like we don't piss off too many people solution is what Kofi was kind of saying, which is like have him give those fan service moments, find some small ways to feature him, make him really feel like Superman, the Superman that we got at the end of Justice League, which was exactly. like, that's the Superman I want. And give us that, and then we wave goodbye. Whoever comes in gets their chance, gets their Matt Reeves chance to kind of do Superman and Metropolis in their vision. And we move from there as we have two new World's Finest And then we kind of figure out what the heck to do with Aquaman and Shazam and Wonder Woman because they're kind of out here just willy-nilly tied to the old continuity, but not really. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but but Suicide Squad's already doing this for us. True, good. It is. So
1: DC's already mastered this kind of pivot. I want to see
0: it in action, though, because we know I trust James Gunn, but I want to see how, like, literally how it works, how it's executed, and see if it can be replicated by everybody else because james gunn is a really good director right now everyone's james gunn so it's like i hope it's a a thing that they can replicate and to across the board because it seems like more and more they're going to need to do that with a lot of movies so we'll see
1: all right so i sent you a secret message but you didn't read it because i was freezing so now just take it away into wrestling matt oh sorry i didn't see i try to pay attention to the camera
3: All right, shall we talk some
0: wrestling, Matthew? Please. Wait, I didn't get anything.
1: It's, didn't in a, get it's in a Zoom it. note. Oh, it's in the Zoom that's
0: why. I don't have my Zoom. Real show. professional show we got going on. I don't have my Zoom here. channel. Crack
1: open. team. Crack team. I have my flag open. All right, no, but it's all good. Uh, yeah, so that'll do it for Man of Steel 2. Let us know what you guys think out of there. We're going to slide now in a more awkward way into wrestling because WWE is coming back with another pay per view <sighs> this week. So we had to bring Connor and Matt back, give us a preview. What is it called? Is this one called uh,
0: Blackout? Back-
3: backlash.
0: Backlash. I, I kind of like Blackout better. <laughs>
1: Blackout does sound good. SVB, I don't a- know
0: if this would be the week for that. but That's true. Uh, no, no, it's a really good name. It's a really good name, though. For yeah. Me.
1: All right. But you guys take it away. What's going on with uh, WWE Backlash, and uh, what should we be looking forward to?
3: Matt, I don't know if you saw my uh, show notes, but it's just one line. And it says Edge and Randy Orton will have the most bestest match ever because reasons. I did see that, and that is the bulk of what the build for this show has been. There is very little about this show to get excited about. You have a uh, WWE Championship match where you don't, you just don't, you just don't care. Good, good try, good effort, but I don't care about Bobby Lashley. I'm sorry.
0: Why Thank do I feel bringing- like? Every time we go to plug a pay-per-view, we start because out with like, this is prank. the worst show ever. This is terrible. Well, season. this one deserves it. Yeah, I'm
1: always
3: interested <laughs> if you guys are actually selling wrestling or like. Oh, no, we don't sell wrestling. We sell our coverage where we rip it apart. But.
0: Unless we're talking uh, NXT and then I gush.
3: Uh, there you go. <laughs> or if it's AEW and then I gush. Um, but. Uh, no, th- I mean, this show, there's really not a lot to it. The Braun Strowman title match is a handicap match where they're, ju- they're not even trying to build to the match. We're just trying to have a- the two guys prank him on SmackDown leading up to it. That- that's not a build. It's an episode of Nickelodeon. <laughs>
0: oh, hey, don't, don't, don't no. shab Nickelodeon like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: because you know, they use slime. That's why I brought it up.
0: <laughs> Nickelodeon but, um, produced Drake and Josh, and I would take Drake and Josh... Any episode uh, well, of Drake and Josh yeah. over
3: this feud. I would just I would take iCarly yes. over this feud. But, um... I here, so, the, the main thing that they're trying to build, and if you're not a wrestling fan, but you know some, and they're all just kind of rolling their eyes lately, is because they are trying to build this show around a match between Edge and Randy Orton. Now, to be fair, these are two legends. One's a Hall of Famer, one's a first ballot, whenever he wants to be. 24 world championships between the two of them, I think. Yeah, 24. Um, You know, two, I wouldn't say era-defining, but they will go down in history as two all-time greats. We've seen them wrestle plenty of times, and at no point during any of those matches, including one at WrestleMania, did we ever say, wow, that might have been one of the greatest matches I've ever seen. But when they announce this match, the announcer turns to the camera and goes, if this match happens... It will be the greatest wrestling match of all time. Completely straight faced. And everyone at home just laughed because there was nothing to back that up. And as soon as I heard, I went on, on the basis of what? On the, the okay match they had a couple of months ago? On the okay matches they had in 2006? Like, where are you getting this information from? But they refused to relent. They just keep saying it over and over. They bring in Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle, and they have them stare. I am reading a script right now that says that I think this will be the best match ever, and here's why. It's painful. And yeah, even when be. these two guys get interviewed, they, the, the reaction for both of them was, I thought it was a joke when I first heard it. I thought they were ribbing me. Yeah. I thought it was a prank. No, are they're, they're so... They're so dead set on this. They got the rights to the Greatest Show song from The Greatest Showman to be the theme song for the pay-per-view. Yeah, and it's here's the thing. It's not gonna be. It's not gonna be the greatest (laughs) wrestling
0: match of all time. Not anywhere close.
3: Surprise.
0: Now here's the thing. What I will. Okay, so let me let me throw this at you. This is just devil's advocate because I don't actually believe this. (laughs) Well, what if the whole point was to build it up? So high, because in a way, they have gained attention. People are going to tune in to watch this now just because it has been called the greatest match, and they almost want to see it fail. That wasn't the case before, and if you had just left it as Edge and Randy Orton go against each other again, no one would have cared.
3: If you needed a hook, have it be if Edge loses, he has to retire again. There.
0: No, I'm not saying there are better options there's probably a dozen but in in this case i will say do you think that was the motivation because if when the guy said it when the commentator said it i don't even know if that was the plan when like it was said and it caught on fire it it was charlie
3: caruso that said
0: it okay so when it was said was that i don't i haven't actually looked at like if that was actually the plan no
3: that was the plan that was the plan Heyman went to edge and said here's how we're gonna sell this and edge said you're, you're kidding, right? And they are like, nope, dead serious. And I feel so bad for him because this is his first real one-on-one, no gimmicks, they can't hide behind weapons or anything, first one-on-one standard singles match in nearly a decade. And you have set the bar not to say it could be an all-time classic, not to say, oh, it could be one of the greatest matches ever. Nope, it's got to be the best.
0: Yeah, Go to hell
3: Steamboat Flair, go to hell Michaels Undertaker (laughs) 1 and
0: 2. Which doesn't go real well with the fact that you've done this Undertaker special and you've been like blasting how great the Undertaker, Shawn Michaels and Triple H matches were. And now you have a direct thing to hold it against. I will say you could have billed it as something you'll never see again. And that I think would have actually been just as compelling as the, the greatest last match say ever. it's
3: the last time ever. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I have that. But to say the greatest, yes, I I will say it has had probably the adverse effect of what they want to. However, I, as someone who did not care two licks about this match, uh, especially after Randy Orton's constant comments on NXT lately, <laughs> <laughs> I I I am morbidly curious. I just want to see what it is. I'm more curious than anything. So if that was, they did hook me, I'll say that in some very small low bar way. Now I will, will counter this negativity with the fact that I am actually looking forward uh, to Andrade and Apollo Cruz. Okay. Because I'm a big Andrade supporter. And I, again, I think he's been held back by just formulaic storytelling and whatever. Um, Apollo Crews is very talented. I hope the heel turn stuff is actually going to happen. And if so, this could kind of be one of the first real places we see that transformation start. I'm curious on that because these are two very talented stars that just have been booked terribly and haven't – WWE forgets about them every other month and so just kind of pushes them to the side. And I hope they do something, especially now that Andrade has the belt. I will also say I'm excited – Apollo has the belt. Oh, sorry, Apollo Hasbell. So I'm very excited for for those. What I will say too is that the tag team match I am actually excited for, not because of the match itself, because we've seen this matchup like over and over and over again. I am actually excited because next week on NXT, Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart get a shot at whoever wins this. And I will say, as one of the few defenders in our slack of heel Bailey, I actually want to see. Dose straps or whatever the heck she calls herself. Lately. Bailey
3: <laughs> Dose straps. I, I want am to, not a copy of Becky Lynch. I, I want that to was see. Funny.
0: It was. It was great. That was, that I was want funny. to see her on. Like I want to see those two go against because those are two very. Those are very big baby faces. So you need yeah. two all-out heels to really make that w- worthwhile. I'm interested to see heel Bailey on NXT. So I'm hoping that's the case. So. That is my thing. So, a little counter a lightness.
3: There well, I, I'm there with you on Apollo because he's actually been killing it on television lately. Has some good yeah. matches. So, you could get something fun out of that. Uh, and also, I have a feeling the AJ-Daniel match uh, we're taking this Thursday. So, tomorrow on SmackDown, I don't think that thing's going to end as cleanly as people hope and that'll probably end up getting followed up on Sunday. And those are two of my favorites. And if that happens, that'll be a lot of fun. Booyah. Um, other than that... So to answer your question, Kofi, because I know you were asking, no, this will not be the greatest match ever. <laughs> yes, we will still be watching. Yes, we will still be covering it. And yes, you can still check it all out on w- on comic books WWE page.
1: All right. That'll do it for the show. We're going to have to push our Batman comic talk to later because uh, we got to get a hard out here because the PS5 event is starting in a moment, and we've got to be on top of that. So we're going to be talking about that when we come back next week. So be sure to look for that in our next show. But if you're just getting into this now during our quarantine arc, we want to thank you for joining Comic Book Nation. We put up new episodes every Wednesday and every Friday. You can listen on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, Google Playlist, iHeartRadio. You can go on the comicbook.com YouTube page and find video of us. You can watch it on Facebook when we air live on Facebook every week. Or you can also tell any Amazon Alexa device to fire up Comic Book Nation podcast and it will get started for you. If you want to talk to us, hit us up at the com- hashtag Comic Book Nation or you can hit me up at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar, CB.
3: At Connor Casey underscore CB.
1: That'll do it for this episode. And if you like the show, go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review because we're still locked out of our office. But when we get back, we give five, uh, we give five stars. We give t-shirts To anybody whose five-star review we read on the show, and we are going to binge read a whole bunch of them to thank you guys for holding us down during quarantine. So hit up iTunes, leave those five-star reviews, and uh, hopefully pretty soon or eventually we are going to get you a T-shirt. That's it. Thank you once again for tuning in. Stay connected. Stay healthy, guys. Try to stay sane and uh, find some kind of personal peace, maybe just by hanging out with us. We'll see you next time. This is Comic Book Nation. Peace.
3: Deuces. Later.